This is episode number 227 of the Rising Man podcast with Zach Carlson. Our beliefs and our opinions are not random. What's up, Rising Man family? Jetty Azuma here with another episode of the Rising Man podcast. So grateful for your ears and your attention. Before I introduce today's guest, it is time, fellas. We've got our 2023 dates for all of our Compass programs coming up in this following year, and enrollment is open. There's only 10 spots for each one for you to come and join us for a four-day solo wilderness fast, whether it's out in California in the confines of our home in Death Valley, or out here in Austin for the first time, or back to California in the summer. We've got spots, we've got openings, but they're going to go fast. So if you are interested in declaring a threshold to cross in your life, if you're ready to get clear on your vision and up-level in your life, risingman.org slash compass is where you can go to apply and get yourself registered today. All right. Without further ado, my guest is Zach Carlson. In 2012, Zach was homeless, addicted to drugs, and lost. He thought his life was over. It was only the beginning. Since then, Zach's journey has been the adventure of a lifetime. Central to this change has been men's work, community, and his career as a coach. The story of his life is his message, a message of hope, a message of clarity, a message of purpose. Zach is grateful to have worked with some of the best coaches and men on the planet, and he's designed his life around the virtues of service to others, self-mastery, and curiosity. In this episode, Zach and I explored the journey of building trust within self and others. He stated, the extent to which I trust other people is the extent to which I trust myself. Am I going to be okay no matter what? Zach shared that our beliefs and opinions are not random, why it's important to identify the source to truly build self-awareness. We discussed the difference between being called out and being called forward, and how to develop range as a human being so we can call upon whatever energy and mode is needed in the moment. As a long-standing member of our community, Zach offered a behind-the-scenes look at the Rising Man Fire Circles, his own hesitations and resistance to diving in, and what other men like yourself may experience prior to joining a men's circle. This and so much more without further ado, Mr. Zach Carlson. Alrighty then. Well, Rising Man family, I've got a brother of mine returning to the show for a second recording. I guess we did our first one about a year ago. Mr. Zach Carlson, live from near St. Paul, Minnesota, man. It's good to have you here today. I'm so happy to be here with you, brother. Yeah, there's there's a lot more of you to see than on the last episode. <laughs> Having taken off some some of the beard and and all of the hair, man, looking great. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I had that beard for almost six years. Mm. Let, let's let's just drop in there for a quick second because I I myself have gone through a hair severance journey within the past year, so I, I know what that journey was like for me, based in uh starting a new chapter is very and very ceremonial for me i wonder what what yours was like but it was really clear for me that that was the starting of a new chapter i wonder what your experience was like same same i started growing my beard after a tough breakup and i didn't know it at the time but it was like i was putting a layer between me and the world mm. and you know then i liked it it became my look and uh over the summer, I realized like I'm ready for a new look. When I look in the mirror, I want to see somebody who physically appears different. And I didn't know what it would do, um, but it did something. It shifted something in me. And I also made it fun. Like my nieces shaved it off for me. Nice. I didn't do this big thing with like a fire and um, sage. It was my nieces with this razor just cutting little funny shapes in each one got to do like a goatee or mutton chops or a mustache. It was, it was delicious. It was so fun. 
Now that is really cool. Uh, if you if you wouldn't mind going a little bit deeper into that story, because I'm curious. Um, so I'll tell a little bit about my story first, and then I'd love to hear from you. So I I, I decided that I wanted to release my hair. It'd been on my head for uh, since I was 21 years old. So I cut it when I was 34. So I was like 13 years of hair. Seen a lot of things. Seen me through a lot of chapters in my life. And it was clear to me that I wanted to release it in a ceremonial way. I took some time, um, really gave myself a chance. I didn't just impulsively go and clip it off. And I just knew when was the right time. It happened to be a weekend where we were gathering for another ceremony that ended up not following through for multiple reasons. And I had all these people that I loved around me. And I said, hey, you know what? This would be a perfect time for me to cut my hair and to release Mm -hmm. it. And so it was really cool because I got my family involved and my extended family involved, all these people that I love so much. And everybody came up and snipped off one or two dreads. And each time they cut one, they they set an intention and a prayer for me. Mm. And then, um, you know, then I offered my hair to the fire with some cedar. And it was really beautiful. And for me, I, I chose to do it that way because that's what felt impl- implicit within me. That's what my my body and my spirit wanted felt really complete in the way that that happened. And it also seemed very indicative of this next chapter that I was calling in for myself. So in contrast to your experience, which I love, I love the playfulness of that. I just, if you would say a little bit more about why you chose to do it that way, and if that's carried forward any meaning since that severance that you had. Yeah. Yeah. I I had thought about doing it a bit in your way and it just didn't land with me. I felt like I would have to force that. And so I was like, what, what would be something that would be memorable and something that's kind of out of character for me. Uh, if I hear one thing from the world, it's that I'm too serious. <laughs> and so I have all these nieces. There were six of them there for it. And um, we we're sketching it out on a napkin, like, hey, if you could trip, trim my beard off, what what would you make it look like? And you know, the one said, I want you to have big sideburns. And the other one said, I want you to have a big mustache. And I just thought like, this is the way to do it. And so it was a bit out of character for me. It was memorable. And some of my nieces are so young that they had never seen me without a beard. And so I was thinking about them in that context too. If I just walked upstairs and there's me without a beard, it it might freak them out. Or I worried actually that it might sever the connection that we had. And so I knew that if I involved them, they'd know that it's still Uncle Zach. That's really cool. Yeah, able to witness the transformation instead of just showing up one day like, ah, who's the stranger? <laughs> uh, totally. That's a, that actually helps resolve a mystery that I had because when I had my hair cutting ceremony, it was about a, it was almost exactly a year ago. It was right after Thanksgiving last year. So my daughter's three and a half. So she was two and a half at the time. And she had only ever known me with the hairstyle that I had. And so she was there when we did the ceremony and she even got to cut uh, one or two of my of my dreads off. And the next morning, oh, wait, is that right? No, actually, no, I take that back. She had already fallen asleep. So so here's where the story comes through, because I thought that was what was going to happen. She was going to be terrified. She didn't even comment on it. I, I asked her, I asked her, I was like, do you notice anything different about that? And she's like, no. <laughs> so, so interesting. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, she seemed to take it really well because now that I recollect, she wasn't actually there. She had fought, we had put her to sleep and my mm-hmm. son was awake and he's got, he got to experience this. That was cool. But yeah. Um, anyway, I love, I love the story and the, and the intention and meaning you had behind it. To me, I think the intention, regardless of what the intention is, as long as it's clear and it's something yeah. that we're choosing can be really powerful. And I hear that in your story, the, 
especially the feminine, right? Getting the feminine involved and the playfulness of that. That's, that's really beautiful, man. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. It's a really nice way to start off. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of things that I could talk about with you, my friend. Um, and what we decided we would start off with is you, you've been a member of the rising man community going on, I guess, what is it? Almost three years now. Yeah. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even almost, almost heading into the fourth year. And in that time, you've been a part of one of our longest standing fire circle teams. shout out to team six. And, um, firstly, I just want to ask for anybody who's listening, who has not yet joined a uh, men's circle, whether it's with us in our organization or somewhere else, um, this was pretty new to you, right? You, you had never experienced a men's circle or men's community quite like what you'd stepped into with Rising Man? No, I'd been a part of an in-person men's group for a couple of years, okay. but our vibe is really different. It's more of a, a feelings and needs group. I had never stepped into a space that was committed to men's work, masculinity, exploring things at the level that we do inside the fire circles. And so it was brand new for me. Got you. So if you could just go back in time, I know it's three years ago now and you've been so deeply involved in the community, just trying to recapture what it was what it was like stepping into a new container like that one compared to what you were used to. I was really nervous, man. Um, like a lot of guys, I unconsciously didn't trust other men. I was happy to do stuff, build stuff with guys, hang out. Um, but in terms of like really letting them see who I truly was, like that was something that I just wasn't willing to do with just anybody. And so I figured that if there's a space literally devoted to doing that, it's probably my safest bet. Mm. And even in that, I felt like I was taking a leap. It felt like a risk to me. I'm going to show up with these guys who I've never met and I'm going to learn about them. And I'm going to let them learn as much about me as I'm willing to share. And bottom line was like, I get out of this work, what I put into it. Mm -hmm. No one's going to come and pull anything out of me. No one's going to read my mind. No one's going to really know when or how much I'm holding back. And so to me, I took it as a grand adventure, an invitation to dive in and to try something new and to see what would happen. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it conjures up memories of my first experience. And here I am more than a decade removed from my first time stepping into a men's circle, but I, I could still appreciate just how overwhelming and, and, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not really, not necessarily overwhelming, but, but scary, right? Just, just scary, <laughs> uh, nerve wracking to step into a space like that because so much of the social conditioning says that circles and spaces with men oftentimes aren't safe. Yep. They aren't places where I can take off my mask and be myself. And it's amazing when you see how that spell gets cracked. If a man drops in and is really willing to let that mask come off and let himself be seen, how quickly that the, the narrative can start to shift, at least yeah. the beginning of it. And I wonder when, do you remember when you had that moment for yourself or was there like a memory that you have of when that really just clicked for you? Yeah, actually it was a couple months in and part of our um, ritual is to ask if there's any guy who's squaring off with something that he doesn't want to hold alone, squaring off with something that he needs support on. 
And so I had been holding back, holding back, playing it safe, kind of assessing, you know, what, what, what are the rules of this space? Um, and I said, Hey, I need support. And it was maybe the first time in my life I'd ever actually said that, like, I need help. I've tried to figure this thing out on my own. I was dealing with a relationship and, um, you know, for the next 15 minutes, they rallied around me. They conducted an interview, um, which is a format to me that is absolutely magical where these guys were sitting there and asking me questions from their heart, not giving advice, not giving solutions. They were just getting curious with me. And after those 15 minutes were up, it felt like we'd peeled back something that all the guys could relate to. And we literally spent the next hour going around the horn, each guy talking about how they could relate or what came up for them. And I walked in there feeling invisible and alone. And I walked out of that call thinking like, oh my God, like I've got brothers, like th these are men who see me. And um, it changed everything for me that, that night. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. And, um, and now the team that you were just referencing there, you guys have, have gone out and actually all gotten together and coordinated and planned your own retreat essentially and, and taking care of each other on a deeper level. So uh, more on that, we'll come, we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. There was something you said right before we started recording. I think you were, you're actually echoing back something I'd said to you about what we do, what, what this process is and that we're, we're really asking men to commit to each other before they really know who they, who every man, other man is and the degree yeah. of trust, the degree of willingness and taking a risk on those relationships that's necessary and required to do that. So I, I love how you said that. And I wanted to see if you would share some more about that leap of faith that we're asked men to take when they step into our circles. Yeah. I mean, for me, I had communicated with the leader of the group, but I didn't know who I was going to see when the screen popped up. And I didn't know if these were guys who were as committed to this work as I was, or maybe they were way more committed to it than I was, and I was going to be this newbie. And so I met with all these parts of myself that were uh, fearful and cautious. But I also met with a part of myself that was tired of feeling stuck, tired of feeling bored, tired of feeling like, you know, what's my purpose, whatever that might mean. And so I was. I accessed this part of me that was willing to trust that if these guys are willing to step into this space, if they're willing to take time out of their busy schedules to do this work, I'm probably going to be in good company and I'm not going to do myself any favors by being guarded and reserved and like overly skeptical of them. But yeah, I mean, it's a leap of faith for anybody to step into a space like this and to not really know what's going to happen. But when I think about it, like that's one of the things that I love about men in particular is, you know, we're kind of designed to be that way. Yeah, I had a man um, on my team from many years ago who's who we were talking about trust and we were we were going into a process with a man who admitted that he didn't trust some of the men in the circle. And he gave us he gave me a context and, and the rest of the guys who were there about trust, uh, saying that, you know, we, we give men trust. At, at, at face value you know that's that's one of the most masculine things we can do is say here 
here's my trust. And mm-hmm. then it's your trust to lose. And I get that that, I mean, because when I heard that, I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if that actually fits <laughs> with my paradigm. And, and what I've come to appreciate over the years is that that trust is something that can be developed or it's something that can be discarded and tossed away. Uh, but that price of admission to just get into the room with some, uh, someone else or some other group of people and to, to begin exploring depths beyond just the superficial conversations that so many of us are good at, it requires that we say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this leap of faith. I'm going to be I'm going to be willing to offer you my trust and see what you do with it. But what I the the the, the like uh like the secondary piece underneath that what I'm trying to say is there's also a trust I have to have within myself. Yeah. Even if that trust is broken or I don't like the response I get when I give somebody my trust, I trust myself enough that I'll be okay and then I'll figure it out and I'll navigate it and then I'm not going to make that mean something. So uh, I wonder mm. if you found the same to be true or something similar. Yeah, man, I love that so much. Like the the extent to which I trust other people is directly related to how much I trust myself. And I love it when you say that, like, do I trust that no matter what happens, I'll be okay? Because at the core of so many of my fears is that if this doesn't go according to my plan, I might not be okay. And so far, because I'm still alive and breathing, like that's never been true. I've always figured out how to be okay. Um, But that fear is still there. And it's probably a fear that kept us alive as a species, you know, being cautious, not being overly trusting, Um, but developing that trust in myself, like I could only go so far alone. And I needed to go in and like battle test it in spaces like Rising Man, not just the fire circles, but dojo, compass, um, finding other guys who are willing to to test their limits alongside me. Like that showed me unconsciously, like I think unconsciously I carry around with me an awareness that anywhere I go in the world, I've got these 10 guys that have my back no matter what. I'm on other men's teams, and so the number's a little bigger than 10, but like, I can't put a price, and it makes me emotional, I can't put a price on the fact that I know that wherever I go in the world, whatever I do in the world, I've got men who have my back, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, that's something that, I I really genuinely just want that for all men. Uh, We've had a lot of conversations lately about how we can, continue expanding our fire circles and make it more available to more men. And at the end of the day, I don't really, personally, I don't really care exactly what it looks like. All I care is that men have what you've described so far, that every man has a place to go to be resourced, to resource himself, to recharge, to express himself freely and safely. And just having a circle of men, just having, you know, a faces to to look around at in the form of a circle doesn't guarantee that. And so I understand the the hesitance and the the fear, the resistance to stepping into spaces like this because it does. It requires that trust and that leap of faith that you described. And that's where so much of the great reward can can be had is by taking that leap of faith. Um and I I also I really just want to acknowledge the resistance that a lot of people have because ultimately I believe it's based in 
trauma responses. So any resistance that I have really to anything, I can trace it back to something that's happened to me in my lifetime that gave me a certain understanding of what to expect from the world or what yep. to expect from people. Um, the most clear, the most clear um, example I can think of is when you when you hear about dogs who've been abused and they have a very specific profile of a person that they will bark at and get nervous and shake around, you know, somebody who wears a certain thing or wears glasses or men with beards or, or something, right, that triggers that response. I think the same is true for us as humans. We have these experiences that we've registered somewhere in our memory. And because we have such a vast capacity, such a big hard drive, sometimes it's hard to really make the connection to, well, why do I feel the way I feel in a certain situation or set of circumstances, you know? Yeah, I agree, man. It's not random. It's not random. We're not born with all of these beliefs and opinions. They get built in piece by piece through either extreme examples or little by little through repetition. You know, I, I think about the seasons in my life when I've been filled with self-loathing. It's like I wasn't born that way. I, I learned how to do that. And in order to get past that, it's been really useful for me to go back and find kind of the root cause. I don't dwell there, but like like I said, when I came into these spaces first, I didn't trust other men. Mm. Why? You know, and, and I've gotten to explore that in the safety of these groups, but also that safety includes like these guys challenging me to go deeper, to be more honest with myself, to be more honest with them, you know, because I, I can talk a good game. Uh, but after sitting with these guys for years, like they can tell when I'm full of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're, I mean, that's they're, yeah. Usu they're usually willing to, to call me forward on that. Not call me out. They call me forward, which is different. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and talk about the difference between those two. <clears throat> I think uh, when we call someone out, we make it about us. Hey, look, I, I caught this thing. I can see this thing in you. Look at me pointing this out to you. When I call someone forward, I'm making it about them. It's like, bro, I love you. I see you. I want you to stand closer to me right now so that I can see you more clearly. Are you willing to take a step forward? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good distinction. That's not the first thing that I think of, but I really agree with you. When, you, when I'm call, if anyone's calling me out, it feels very personal. It feels <laughs> like that somebody, like you said, they're making it about themselves. Whereas that energy of being called forward, I can tell that there's genuine care behind it. That someone's doing it because it's they believe it's in my best interest. Whether it is or it's not, that's up to me. But and you can tell I can tell when somebody's doing that out of a place of love and care and compassion, even mm -hmm. if it has a hard edge to it. And uh, I think that's a big thing that we get to overcome in these circles in these communities as men is because uh, I've been in plenty of circles that were more of a sharing and a exploring our emotional space together as men types of places. And I think that's really valuable. I think that's something that men in general could afford to do more, especially in the company of each other. I've also been in circles where it was very masculine, very challenging, guys barking at each other like drill sergeants. And I think that could also be really valuable. I know some some men, including myself, could benefit from order and discipline in my life. And so the ability to, to flex in and out of these different dimensions of masculinity, these different roles, to me is what amplifies the safety in a space. Because if I only know that 
I can be held in the emotional capacity, but not in the more structured or uh, rigorous strategic capacity, then it doesn't really feel complete. I'm always going to feel like I'm getting shades of the same type of reflection and support from that group of people. But when I know that there's men who can be flexible, who can, you know, one minute give me a hug and cry with me and the next minute can punch me in the stomach and say, hey, let's go. It's time to get into action. <laughs> Not literally, but, you know, metaphorically, um, that's it's a whole nother level of trust. I love that, dude. And it really has been clear to me that my range as a human being has been 10 axed in these spaces. Because, yeah, what we do, we talk about our feelings and our inner state, but we also talk about everything else. And every time I'm in a men's setting, be it a men's team or a men's circle or a men's group, um, you know, I'm testing my range. I'm getting a repetition in on, you know, this thing that I might be working on. Maybe it's something that I'm building in my business. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a past uh, wound. Um, but I come to these spaces not knowing exactly what's going to happen, but I know enough of how it works to know that something is going to happen. It's one of the only places in my life where it's guaranteed that something meaningful is going to transpire when I meet with these guys. Mm. Powerful, dude. Super powerful. Um, well, let's let's circle back because we, we already acknowledged the team that you've been with for I guess it's almost three years now, right? For you guys, that's amazing. Um, again, shout out to Team Six, you guys doing some amazing work. We're gonna have you guys all on the podcast here soon, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but you've also recently been asked by myself to be a, I, I don't have an official name for you, but a, a team initiator. <laughs> you you <laughs> initiated one of our new Fire Circle teams, a little bit of background. So as we're growing, uh, we're starting to get into the really beautiful situation where we need to create more teams. And sometimes we're getting influxes of men who are all coming in at once, but none of them have experience leading a fire circle team the way that that we do. And so um, gratefully, I've got men like you in the community who understand our culture and who I trust to represent that in getting a new team oriented. And you recently, in the, just the past six months, helped initiate a whole brand new fire circle team. So just starting off from the top, what was that experience like and what how did it compare to stepping into a team that was already being led and formed by somebody else in comparison with being the one who was essentially responsible for indoctrinating not indoctrinating but welcoming the men to uh, jump on board with the culture yeah it was version 2.0 of what i experienced going into my first fire circle right as a member uh, i felt all the same things this round as helping found the team. I felt um, excited, invigorated. Uh, I also felt uh, uncertain. Like, how am I going to ask these men who have never met each other to all get on the same page logistically so that we can find a, a time in the week when we can all meet? And these are guys from all over the country. So we're navigating schedules, but also time zones. Mm -hmm. And I met with this part of myself that felt um, overwhelmed, mm -hmm. but determined because I know what this work brought to my life. And I was looking at an opportunity to share that medicine with 
seven guys, seven other guys. And so there was some nerves, but really there was just this excitement there where it's like, these guys don't even know what's about to happen. And I get to help frame and usher them into it. Um, but it wasn't just me, right? I, I was pulling the levers, but all of these guys, shout out to the alchemists. I love each and every one of those men. All of those guys, just on faith and based on what I was sharing with them, had to stretch, had to take that leap multiple times to make it happen. And I just remember the the first time we all got on that call, right? It took uh, about a week to get our schedules aligned. And I was just looking around and they were looking around and there's this collective feeling of like, we've already done something as a team and we hadn't even met yet. And so lots of magic in the, the process there, um, but also lots of um, intention on every guy who showed up on that first call. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I want to hear a bit more about the the personal experience that you had uh because from the first part of the story where you had participated in some other men's circles before coming into the rising man fire circles having a different experience of what that can look like fast forward three years to now being in a position where you're being asked to initiate a new team and get the foundation settled and set in there i know for myself having done this work for years now that i never feel like i've made it I, I I never feel, I mean, there's guys who've been doing this twice as long as I have who are on teams with me that say, yeah, this, this is a game that you just plug in. You never expect it to end. Um, and I also know that there's men who I've encountered over the years who, for one reason or another, convince themselves that, no, I, I don't need this anymore or I'm, I'm done. I've, I've looked at myself enough. And so, um, just talking about that next level, cause you said 2.0. So more specifically, what was that next level? What has that next level been for you? Yeah, it's about ownership. It's about actually giving back and contributing. You know, it's e easy to walk into a group and be a member. Uh, but what does that group really mean to us if when the leader steps aside, we're not willing to step in? You know, I have worked a 12 step program in my life for the last 10 years. And I, look around and I think, like, I didn't create this. Someone has been here making sure that we have a place to meet. Someone has been here making sure that the lights are on and that the readings are there. And so that really conditioned me to see the rising man space in the same way. It's like, you put up the banner, but then it requires people there doing some of the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, being a participant is one thing, but being a leader is another thing. It's about giving back what in so many ways was freely given to me. And so 2.0, it was a paradigm shift. It was like, okay, this, this isn't just a place that I show up at. This is a place that I actually help create. Yes. I, <laughs> I don't think there's better music for my ears than a man who's a part of a community who says exactly what you just said right there, uh, especially in my station where I'm, I'm responsible for championing the vision and enrolling people into it and getting people on board. And thank goodness we've grown to a place where 
it's a bigger mission than I can hold by myself. It literally, I don't have the capacity to to hold it all anymore. So men like yourself and uh, so many other men that I can think of who've taken those leaps forward, that's that's what allows a community to really grow. That's what allows this our mission to grow. Because if not for that, if not for that support, if not for men who seize the, seize the opportunity to take some leadership, then we're only going to initiate a few men in a lifetime, right? We're only going to initiate a small part, a small percentage of a generation of men. But what really makes the vision of having a whole generation of initiated men living into their purpose, being better stewards of this planet, better fathers, husbands, leaders in the community, it requires that men step forward and step up and take the reins where wherever it's being offered. Yeah. Yeah. When I love that as a symbol too, like these groups are like a microcosm for the world at large. You know, I get to practice with a small team of men skills that I'm using daily in all areas of my life. There isn't just this men's work time and then the rest of my life, it's all become integrated. And so these spaces too are a place to go out and practice the moves that we want to use more often in all areas of our lives, our relationships, our work, our vision, our healing, like everything is fair game in these spaces. And it's a little bit like batting practice too sometimes. You know, the a professional baseball player doesn't go in there and just like practice hitting home runs. You know, he practices all the 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 finer nuances of batting, bunting, um, you know, hitting the ball, I don't know the lingo, but hitting the ball like over the shortstop, like precision, right? Not just swinging for the fences every time. And these are spaces that we get to do that emotionally, mentally, spiritually as dudes. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's funny because I over the years, I've heard some men in, in different versions of the same thing say, I don't want to lead or I don't believe that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, if anyone who doesn't already see themselves as a leader, to me, I, I say, well, what's there's something wrong with that picture because who's running your life? <laughs> I think this idea we have of leadership where it's the person who's out in front leading the charge, you know, waving the banner, um, heading into battle, then we're not actually leading. But there's so much leadership that just comes from presence. That's more of an energy of being than it is a doing. It's not being the face of an organization or a company or a community. It's contributing to it and finding a place where it's like that that unique machine part that finds mm. its way into the machine that allows the whole operation to run more more fluidly. Mm. And so, uh, so I really like what you're saying there, man. And thinking about the what's being asked of men when they step into our community. There's no expectation that somebody comes in and is in the position that you're in now where you're being asked to lead teams and step forward. No, that, that would that would be silly. Um, I've seen what happens when men are put into leadership positions before they're ready, and it's not pretty. But, re- but, but with that expectation that when you do come into a community and you spend time there, that at some point you start finding ways to lead and to give back. And if I'm only ever looking ahead at mm-hmm. who I'm chasing or the next level of my development that I'm pursuing, then I'm missing the opportunity to look behind myself and see who's coming up right behind me, who could benefit from what I've learned. That's all it is. It's that simple. Yeah. 100%, man. 
And that's a great example from my own life of where the microcosm of the fire circles has become a way of being. You know, I, I learned how to show up for other guys where I wouldn't benefit from it personally in any way. Um, and so it gave me like purity of intention, purity of heart. Like I'm showing up for this man because I understand his struggle, because I love him, because I want to invest in him, because I want to see him thrive and I won't benefit from it at all. And then six months later, somehow I do benefit from it. Mm. And I think, how'd that happen? You know, and in my business as a coach, it's like I, I try to help as many people as I can, especially people who are further along than I am, who like don't need my help. Mm. I find myself asking, how can I help this person thrive even more? Mm. And so like this microcosm, macrocosm, the, the, the entire universe exists inside of these fire circles and we get to practice playing in it. Like that is a gift that I have yet to find offered anywhere else. Mm. And there's something so unique about these these spaces too, because it's not like you you're expected to come in with a bunch of answers, right? In fact, you you alluded to it before with the interview process. We actually prefer questions. <laughs> it's it's the discovery <laughs> process, and I think that's another part of this long-standing masculine narrative that we need to have the answers for all of the problems in our lives, and and that other people and that we need to look into other people for the answers. Whereas when we talk about the interview process, we're looking into each other as mirrors. So that in the safety of a container like a men's team, where the judgment is stripped away, where the shame is eliminated, and all I have to do is look at which what's truly beneath all those veils and visages I put to cover up all those things I usually experience, that's when I can find the answer within myself. Yeah, I can see that solution in the eyes and in the reflections of the questions that men offer to me. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> one of the things I also love is we we also say in these spaces that none of us are our masters here. We're all, we're all men. We're all equals. We're, when we're firing questions at each other, I've heard a man describe it many times over the years as gorillas doing brain surgery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we fire questions that are just like, nah, that's a misfire. No, <laughs> that doesn't fit. Uh, but, but even that we can, we, we create a space that even then we know that we're just, we're doing everything that we can to possibly uh, offer some support give a man a chance to see himself more clearly. That's if there's, if there's one essential to, uh, objective of a men's circle, at least one I want to be a part of is what can we do to help a man see himself more clearly and find his way through? Yes. Yes. Sometimes I think about what happens in these spaces <clears throat> when we're showing up for each other. If an alien came down and they didn't speak English you know, what, what would they see? What would they hear? What would they experience? And at the energetic level, it's like everything that we say to each other in, uh, on a men's team is like, you matter to me. I love you. I see you. We use different words for it, but like the energy behind it is always that. And I feel like the structure in these spaces too supports that like every team i've been on in rising man there's been agreements there's been rituals there's been some measure of structure and predictability that again i am so hungry for in other parts of my life 
And I guarantee that I get to experience that when I step into these spaces, right? There's just enough predictability so that I can take some armor off that otherwise I keep on just in case, just mm. in case. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great to, that you say that, man. Cause that's, you know, one of the things I, I always emphasize on, on teams is having the unpredictability because that's also a very real part of life. But that's a great reminder, man, is that there, there, there does need to be enough um, structure and form that I can trust. Again, just thinking of the masculine, right? Masculine is a container. We have to create that stable and sturdy container that we push up against and know how it's going to respond when I lean into it. It's like uh, taking, if you're climbing a tree and you step out onto a branch, you do that little test, kind of like <laughs> bounce on it a little bit with one foot and then a little bit more weight just to see if it will hold. And once that, I guess that's like the, the litmus test to get in the door. You know, can I, can I trust this enough to get myself in? I'm here. Now we can bring on the unpredictable waves. And that's Amen. where the transformation happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those cases where we're actually liberated by a little bit of restriction. Mm -hmm. I think of my past. In my 20s, I was uh, teaching poetry. And there's free verse poetry where it's just whatever goes. But then there's the classic poetry, the sonnet, the sestina. And there's a strict rhyme scheme that is followed. And that's a little limiting, but it brings the world down to a more manageable size and new creativity can flow in there because it's actually got walls to bounce off of instead of just free verse where it can go anywhere and everywhere. It's like, how do we know when a poem is done? Mm -hmm. Well, it's easier to know when it's done if there's just a little something there containing it, holding the space. Yeah. I love that, man. Uh, well, this has been great. We've covered a lot of territory so far with the few minutes that we have remaining. I wonder if there's anything that we haven't already shared about circles, men's teams, leaderships, this community that you want to really emphasize for men who are listening out there. I mean, I always want to speak to that guy out there who has never been in a space like this before, who is testing the water with his big toe right now not quite sure if there's a space that will make sense for him, not quite sure if he belongs anywhere. I, I love to speak to that guy to say that I have felt that way. Um, and I still feel that way sometimes in other areas of my life. Um, but that if I could uh, do anything different, I would have joined spaces like this sooner with no expectation of the outcome. Um, and I would have joined it with more curiosity. Like, I wonder what could happen here. I wonder what's possible here. Not putting this like, I'm so screwed up, I need to heal myself. But instead to say, uh, I wonder what would happen if I were to step into this space and have an adventure. And so, again, like, I probably know 50, 100 guys in Rising Man at this point. Um, conversations with them. I think we've, we all have had that experience of like, is this a space where I belong? Um, what's going to happen in here? And that's what makes it fun. If you want something predictable, go to the movies. 
right? If you want something that's totally controlled and manageable, keep doing what you're doing. But this is a this is like a safe space to be um, unsafe in a way, right? To 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 do to do the next thing. So I like to talk to that guy who has no clue what he wants to do next, but what he's doing right now isn't working, right? If you want more of the same, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And we didn't dive too deeply into it. Maybe we'll dig into it some more um, when when I visit with Team Six in a few weeks. But the uh, the experience you shared with me that other men in the in the community have had after building these relationships with men over the years, not just what we can get out of being in the fire circles together, but actually collaborating in real life. Um, obviously, you guys with Team Six, we said we, you guys organized your own summit and got together in person. But numbers of examples of guys collaborating on work projects and service projects and guys who have helped each other move across the country. Like, these are real stories of men showing up for each other in real time by doing the things that we've talked about here on this episode. So, um, so yeah, man, just wanted to reflect that back and really say how much I value you as a member in this space because you're, you're, you're helping raise the bar for what's possible in these communities. Well, thanks, brother. And that actually reminds me, I'm, I'm right now doing two business collaborations with guys that I met in the community. Hmm. I'm working with Matt Cochran and Zach Alexander. And these are guys that I probably wouldn't know that they existed without this space. And right now we're creating offerings that are from our hearts that are gonna change lives. And you know, the the glue that stitched that together was you and your team, dude. So thank you. Ah, uh, it's awesome, man. I love hearing that. Love hearing those stories. Looking forward to what you guys produce and put out there. Uh, lastly, just if you'd like to share where people can come follow you and interact with you, I'm sure there's going to be folks who want to connect with you after hearing, hearing you talk about what you're up to. Always. Uh, I'm on Instagram. It's strengths life. S T R E N G T H S. And then life strengths life. And then my website, I work as a coach is Zach Carlson, Z A C H C A R L S E N.com. Beautiful brother. Uh, well, always appreciate an opportunity to sit down and jam with you. And when we get to record it and share your beautiful wisdom with the rest of the community is, is a bonus. Um, so yeah, lots of love to you, man. Thank you for everything that you've contributed to this community. I really mean that, you know, I value you as a brother and as a man in my life and excited to see what you create moving forward, man. It's really cool to hear what you're up to. Honored to be here, Jetty. Thanks for having me on brother. All right, y'all, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Remember to head over to risingman.org to check out all the amazing things we've got going on coming up in 2023, especially an opportunity for you to claim one of those seats and join us for Compass, a four-day solo wilderness fast. Ceremonial rite of passage. It's time, 2023, let's do it. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast and please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. Big ups to everybody out there supporting us in all the ways that you do. Thank you for all the words of confidence, support, and admiration for the rising man movement. This movement is literally held up by all of you listening out there and contributing. So thank you until next time rise up and claim your destiny.